Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. Thing needs renewal from time to time. I want us to think about this. Don't ever forget that the church was God's idea. Some weeks back, I preached to you, or maybe in months now, I don't know, I lose track of time. I preached to you about the church, and I preached about, you remember those original Greek words, ecclesia, the church, koinonia, the fellowship. And we talked about that, how the koinonia, the fellowship of the ecclesia, the church, how that is all God. Don't ever forget that the church was God's idea. Now, I know that in our ways that there are some things that we put together that are man-made. There's some systems and denominational type things that, that they become things that we have put together, and some of the parts of that are man-made. Uh, but taking it all the way back, the bottom line is that the koinonia of the ecclesia was God-ordained and God-made. It was God's idea. It was God's idea from the very beginning to have a day, one day a week, the Sabbath, you know, one day a week that is given to the Lord for his people to come together and worship him and learn about him. That was God's idea. He wants us to get together. Now, I know there's, again, there's a lot of inner workings and different things. Oh, that's man-made. And Well, God didn't tell us. Sometimes we do. We make some things. But let me remind you today that it has always been God's idea for the church. It has always been God's idea for his people to get together and to worship him and to fellowship with one another and pray for one another, pray with one another, support one another. That wasn't my idea. That wasn't the church of God's idea. That wasn't a Baptist idea. That was God's idea from the beginning. And I can truly say what Jesus said, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He said this. He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now I know that as you know and we're going to sadly talk about that, that individual churches might close down. Denominations might shut their doors. I don't know what's going to happen in some places. As I'm seeing, as, as I'm aware of, I know just up the road in Houston First Methodist pulled out of the United Methodist movement and there's a lot of that going on. I can't guarantee how long the church of God denomination will be. But I can tell you this, that there will always be a church. There will always be, there will always be God's people coming together. It's never going to end. It's ne- it might look a little bit different. The styles might be a little bit different, but the koinonia of the ecclesia will never, ever stop because it was God's idea and COVID nor the government nor nobody else will ever be able to get rid of that. Somebody give God praise if you believe it. The church was God's idea. So I'm going to give you it now. Here, I'll give you some, some very scary things, some post-COVID statistics. 15% of churches died throughout COVID until today. 15% of churches have died since 2020. 40% are on life support. In other words, 40% of churches since COVID and all that went on are barely, barely hanging on. 
I wish I could tell you that that's, oh, you know, I don't think, no, I'm, I'm sad to say that right here in our own state and right here, again, I can't, I can't speak, but I know because of connections with our denomination, unfortunately, there are a lot, we've got a lot of little churches now that are just barely, barely hanging on. 40% are on life support. Only 5% of churches are larger today than they were before the pandemic began. Only 5% of churches are larger today than they were before the pandemic began. Now listen to this. I may not like what God allows, but I need what it will accomplish. I'm going to say that one more time. I may not like what God allows, but I need what it will accomplish. You need Bible for that? I can certainly give it to you. Joseph, when he comes face to face with his brothers, same brothers that were going to kill him, that ended up throwing him in a pit, selling him into slavery, that sent him into a life in Egypt where he was owned by Potiphar, falsely accused by Mrs. Potiphar, ended up in the prison for a couple of years. This same Joseph who then found himself as second in command of all of Egypt, now standing before his brothers, who most of us in our human part would want to get revenge on them, stands in front of them and looks at them and said, Don't you boys worry, because what you meant for evil... What you meant to destroy me, what you meant to tear me down, God has turned it around for the good and the preservation of our family and the preservation of the seed of Abraham that would eventually bring what? The best and the greatest thing, Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the world. I may not like what God allows to happen, but I need what it will accomplish. You see, God can use a crisis to be a catalyst to bring the change that we need. Change we might never have made without being forced to do so. I'm going to tell you something about change, folks. The older I get, the more I understand why people don't like change a lot of times. Change always, Sam Chan says this, change always has a cost. If you change anything, there's going to be a cost somewhere. But our willingness to change determines our capacity to grow. And I believe that we must cooperate with the change that God wants to bring. I don't believe, I don't believe that Joseph ever could have been the prime minister of Egypt had everything not happened that had happened. He had to go. He had to be sold. He had to be thrown in the pit, sold to Potiphar, thrown back into the prison before he was ever ready for what God truly had for him and for the nation of Israel and for the world. Because had that not happened, folks, we wouldn't be here today, not in this room. Because the Messiah, Jesus, the seed of Abraham would have been cut off. They would have starved to death in the famine. And Jacob and that lineage would have been cut off. And we wouldn't have any need to be here today. But because of what God did in Joseph's life, he put him through some stuff, changed some stuff. I don't know about you, but I think I would have much rather stayed the favorite in the house of my father, Jacob, with my coat of many colors. Now, y'all are more spiritual than me, but I'm just going to tell you, I would have much rather stayed the way things were in my father's house 
with the favor of my father, liked me better than all the rest of my brothers, gave me the nicest coat to wear that showed the favor of my father. I would have mother re- re- much rather stayed there than had to be thrown in a pit, sold as a slave into Egypt, thrown into prison after being lied on. But he never would have got to the palace had he not gone through that stuff. Change is difficult. Change happens, but we must cooperate with the change that God wants to bring because change is for the purpose of increase. You see, when God brings about change, now people, we kind of just change stuff sometimes. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be accused of being sexist, but sometimes you ladies, y'all like to change stuff around. I could leave a chair in the same spot in the living room till the day that I die and be all right with it. (laughs) But ladies don't always think like that. They want to rearrange. I could have the same pictures hanging on the wall and in the frames for as long as I live. But ladies don't think like that a lot of times. So I know that there's sometimes there's change and it's just to spruce things up. But I want to let you know that when, when we change for God, when God brings about change, it's for the purpose of increase. And I've always got to remember that the church isn't about me. It's about the kingdom. Can I just tell you that Starkville Church of God is not about me. Starkville Church of God was here long before I ever got here. If the Lord tarries, it'll be here long after I'm gone. The church is not about me. It's about the kingdom of God. The church is not about our preferences. It's not about what we want, what we want to see. The church is about the kingdom. The church is about what we just saw that we were able to send our worship pastor, two of our college students, and we were able to send money and send Bibles and see 20 souls saved. That we could see our kids come in throughout this week and learn Bible stories and fellowship together. That our young kids, that they could have the koinonia of the ecclesia together. That's what we're doing. It's about the kingdom. The church isn't about me. I can't, I can't get comfortable and think that I never want anything to change because it's not really about me. Because there's a lot of things. Can I, can I just be honest with you? I want to tell you, if I had my pick, if I had my pick, do you know what I would, you know my, my perfect scenario of what I would like to see church stylistically, church style, late 90s. I, I'd really, I'd like, a, I, my style, I like a robe choir. I like the 90s. We've come to praise him. We've come to praise him. I've got my style. I've got my style that I like, but you know what? It's not about me. It's not about me and what I want and my favorite style and people over the years, depending on what your favorite decade and era was, maybe it's the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, whatever it might have been. I have to come to the place where it ain't about me. You've heard me say this enough, that, 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 that it's not about me and there's some stuff that we will never change. Never change the cross, never change the blood, never stop talking about Jesus, never get away from doctrine that is true and right. But some of these preferential things, we've got to be willing to say, Lord, whatever you want to do, 
When God wants to revitalize or energize a church, he takes them through five types of renewal. So if you're a note taker, don't panic as you see what the time is now. I'm getting ready to go back to two services, and I've got a nice big timer back there that will tell me when to be quiet. I'm only going to hit one this week because I've given you the introduction. There's five types of renewal, and they never happen out of order. You know, sometimes you say, you know, here are the finalists in no particular order. These are in order. We're going to start with number one, the first renewal when God wants to revitalize or energize the church. The first of five types of renewal that he will bring is personal renewal. Everybody say personal renewal. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Before anything else can happen, before we can come in here and fill this place up and see God move, the first place that renewal has got to happen is right here in each of us. We can't expect to come together as a church. We can't expect to come into this place and become a crowd or a bunch of people together and think that renewal is going to start. No, renewal has always got to start with personal renewal. That means you and me, all of us, we must personally make sure that we are falling back in love with Jesus. Read in the book of Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to read you verse 4 and 5. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Jesus is talking here to those seven churches in Asia Minor. This particular church is the church of Ephesus. And he's done talked about how they, they didn't put up with false teaching. And they had done all kind of good stuff. And he gave them a lot of credit and a lot of accolades. And then in verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. You want to know how, sadly, so many thriving church, churches that were once thriving and booming and growing churches, Churches that used to just be it. I mean, they were the it church. People were just flocking to there. How after years now, some of them are barely even holding the doors open or they're not even open anymore. They lost their first love. Because he said, remember where you're, you've been doing all this other stuff. You've been doing good things. You had not been allowing false doctrine to be taught. You haven't been allowing all these things. You've been standing for, you've done some great things, but you have lost your first love. And we can do all the stuff we can think of, but if we stop loving Jesus, none of it's worth anything. Well, a couple of you believe that. I said we can do all the stuff we want to, but if we stop loving Jesus, none of it's worth a hill of beans. A first love test does my story still stir me? I'm going to say that one more time. Does my story still stir me? Have you been around somebody recently that has not been saved very long? Do you remember what it was like when you first got saved? Because I've been around a few of those folks that have not been saved long. 
You know what they want to do? They want to talk about how Jesus saved them. They want to tell people about the good things that God has done in their life. Does your story still stir you? So many of us, we've, we've lived this thing for so long that our story doesn't stir us anymore. Oh, yeah, I got saved back a long time ago, you know, been going to church all these years. Well, now God's about done come in and took the candlestick out, I think. Does your story stir? Does it stir you anymore to be able to say, I was, I was lost and dying and on my way to hell. But God got in the middle of things, sent his spirit to convict me of my sins, sent a preacher or a teacher or somebody to tell me the gospel, the good news, and I gave my life to him, and he picked me up out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a solid rock. Does your story stir you anymore? Or is it just all ho-hum anymore? Well, yeah, hallelujah, I've been saved. Sanctify and save, sanctify and hold, fill with the Holy Ghost, bless God. Does your story stir you anymore? Do you tell people about Jesus anymore? Or, or have we developed into this place where we're just, well, I don't want to get too fanatical about my faith. Well, there's some false religions, they're so fanatical, they'll take over planes and fly them into buildings. They're so fanatical about something that's not true. And we're scared to death to tell anybody about Jesus when he is the way, the truth, and the life. Hmm. Remember your calling. You say, well, Pastor, I, you know, we're not all called into full-time ministry. Well, you may not be. But 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10 says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy." That ought to still stir us. I don't care if we've been saved for three months, three days, or if we've been saved for 30 years. That ought to stir, still stir our hearts to know that we were once in darkness. We were once not even a people, but he called us. He called us out of darkness, put us in his marvelous light. We were not a people, but now not only are we just a people, but we are the people of God. We opened this service, Brother Eric did, with mercy and he says, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It ought to stir our souls, brothers and sisters, that God Almighty has chosen that we were once without mercy, but now because of the cross, now because of the blood, now because of salvation, I don't have what's coming to me and what I deserve, which is an eternity in hell, but through his mercy, I have redemption, I have heaven. Heaven coming my way. Remember your calling that God calls you. Don't take that lightly. How many of you here would say, I'm saved. I know the Lord is my Savior. Anybody? Anybody? 
be it be bold enough to raise your hand in a Christian church on a Sunday morning and say, I'm saved. Let me just remind you. <laughs> oh, boy, I, good thing I'm preaching this today, I guess. <laughs> Remember what a holy calling you have. Don't take this for granted anymore. I, my prayer is, Starkville Church of God, that we make sure that we fall back in love with Jesus. I don't want him to come, he said, or else I will come unto thee quickly, remove my candlestick out of this place, except thou repent. Lord, help us. Help us if we have lost our first love. Lord, we repent because the last thing I want is you to take your candlestick. The fire, I talked about it a little bit last week when I talked about stirring up the gift, fan in the flame. I don't want to lose the fire of God. Lord, forgive us if we have lost our first love because I don't want the fire to be taken from us. You know, fatigue, as we're looking at this personal renewal, our first love, we go back to our first love, we remember our calling we also need to take into account some practical things that fatigue can put stress on any relationship with the Lord, with a spouse, family, friends. How many of you know that fatigue can stress relationships? A couple of you agree with me. Y'all are quiet this morning. Even the best of relationships. Most of y'all know Jeremy Smith. This is kind of funny. One of them youth camp tired and fatigued things. I won't ever forget. We were we'd done been down at the campground. I don't remember. It was the last, it was like one of the last nights of the last weeks. We were tired. We were, he was camp coordinator, I was rec coordinator, and I was needing some of my rec workers to be at a place. And he had told them to go on down to the cafeteria for R and R. And I get on the golf cart and I go down there and I'm like what are y'all doing down here we got stuff to do up at the tabernacle they're like well Jeremy told us to come down. I don't care what Jeremy said I said get up there we got stuff to do <laughs> you're good friends when you can get mad at it how many of you get mad at people you just get over it. you just forgive each other Everybody just wants to hold a grudge and everything. Now, hey, you're, we're going to get mad at each other. We're going to do stuff. Because, what, because fatigue puts stress on relationships. Fatigue puts stress on, on marriage. When you're tired, worn out. Oh, I'm going I'm to preach. Now, now I'm becoming that old guy sending a kid to college. Oh. I won't, I won't forget. I'm not that far out. I got one going to college, one in the eighth grade, and I'm around my sisters, and they got these young kids running around, still having, well, most of them's got pull-ups now at least. I won't ever forget those times where I'd wake up, I'd wake up in the bed, and there would be four of us in the bed. That somehow or another, Molly, Kate, and Jaden, and Jamie, and myself were all in the bed. And there was a, there was a period of time where I was not even hardly sleeping. I was sleeping on, my, on the edge, on a shoulder, about to fall off the bed sometimes. And fatigue 
can put a stress on any relationship. Can I just talk? I'm not. There's some older than me. There's some younger than me. So since I'm not too far out of it, can I talk to some parents with some young kids still? Please, you're going to get through it. <laughs> but fatigue and diapers and peeing in the bed or all of that kind of stuff. Or she's not here this morning. Y'all want to know? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get myself. I don't even care. I won't ever forget, and please don't be grossed out by that, but if you got kids, you ain't going to be. Most of the time, Jamie's the one that always, she never lose her cool or anything. There was one thing with both children <laughs> that I had to be the one to just say, calm down, because it when they pooped in the bathtub. <laughs> Come on now, y'all have had kids poop in the bathtub before, y'all know it. And it's just like she just lost it. I'm telling you all this, fatigue will put strain on any relationship. And kids will wear you down. Work. Stress at work. Working overtime. All those kind of things. Fatigue will put stress on your relationships. But not only that, fatigue will put stress on your relationship with the Lord. Because many times you'll be so tired that you feel like that I'm so tired, I don't have time to read, I don't have time to pray. I'm so tired, I don't, I don't even really have time, to, I'm so tired, I just can't even make it to church. Listen, the older I get, the more I see it. When I was a young pastor, people would just say, I'm just so tired, I couldn't make it, I try to be understanding. And I'm not trying to be hard-nosed here, but I'm telling you, if you get that tired, and I'm not saying you're not going to miss every once in a while. I am going to say this. Don't you ever let yourself get in that habit of where you're tired, and so the thing that you drop is your prayer, your Bible reading, and coming to church, because that ain't going to do you no good. Rest your body. Rest your mind. Rest your soul. Here's some quick things I'm going to give you, because i got six minutes and 17 seconds. Here's some keys to help you in this, in this personal renewal. Divert daily. Take a break every day. You, you need a moment in time every day. You need to take a few minutes every day and take a break. You need a secondly, you need to withdraw weekly. You need a day off. Go back to the book of Genesis. In six days, God made everything that we see here. And on the seventh day, God did what? Come on, y'all know it best. Say it louder now. On the seventh day, God rested. Now, was it that this all-power, this omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, was it that, you know, I mean, it was a pretty big deal, creation, but was it that after all that, God was just like, I, I can't do another minute. I've got to just sit down on the throne. I'm more, absolutely not. It was for example. It was for the same reason that Jesus Christ, did Jesus, the Son of God, need to be baptized? No. But why did he go and have his cousin John baptize him as an example? Because he wanted us to see him as his example. And so every single day, listen, you need to take a day 
and withdraw weekly. Spend some time with family. Relax. I know, I know that in this time that we're living in, and grocery bills are going up and everything seems to go. I know it's tempting that you want to try to take every bit of overtime you possibly can and all of this, but listen, make sure that you're withdrawing weekly. Third, abandon annually. And you've heard me say this a number of times, and you're going to continue to hear me say this. We spend a lot of money on stuff that's not going to last. But memories last forever. I sound like I'm some old man up here today. But listen, as I'm facing this now, Randy came in my office the other morning and was like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing good. He's like, no, with Jaden leaving, are you okay? And I'm like, dear God, are you trying to get me to cry this morning? What you want me to do? But as I'm facing this new part of my life, I'm realizing just how precious those little getaways and vacations and spending time with. Listen, we didn't take a, I, he listens to them. So I'm not, I don't want to get daddy mad to it. Every week he'll listen to these podcasts and we took, we took some. We didn't take a whole lot of vacations. I know money was tight back then. But I can tell you this. We still joke about I don't even remember how old I was. One of the vacations that we took was that we went up to Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Maggie Valley. Anybody remember Ghost Town in the Sky and Maggie Valley up there? You ever go? We went to Ghost Town in the Sky, and we'll still joke. We stayed in this. It's, it was this, you know, nowadays cabins. This is late 80s, I think. You know, now there's all these nice cabins. We go to Winterfest. We stay in nice cabins. I mean, I think this thing had so much mold in it. And the lady who owned it looked just like, this was back when Roseanne Barr, when she was in her prime. Anybody remember Roseanne, this woman? We still joke about staying in Roseanne's cabin <laughs> when we went to the mountains. And that's been years and years ago. I look at it, and I look at my girls now, and I look at trips that we've taken, and those are things that can't be taken away. Abandon annually. Get away with your family. Get away. Make memories that you can rest and that you can have those memories forever. Fourthly, in this rest, reorganize yourself. Prioritize your schedule. Some, some months ago, May have been a year ago. I don't even remember now. How many of you remember? I, I showed a, a video that said, put your big rocks in first. Anybody remember that video there? Put your big rocks in first. Get the important things done. Make sure that you're prioritizing yourself. Get those important things done, and the rest of the stuff will fall into place. When you reorganize, you prioritize your schedule. Different seasons have different schedules. You know, just, again, I'm just living it, so I'm just, I'm sorry if y'all are tired of hearing it, I'm living it. This past year, Jaden was in dance, we had to be at every Friday night game, Molly Kate was in JV cheer, we had to be at every Thursday night game. Guess what? This year my schedule's changing, we've only got Thursday night games this year. <laughs> of course, Saturday games, you know, but, but I'm saying, I know that you're just, the schedule changed. None of y'all, none of y'all told me how expensive and busy having a senior in high school was. For April and May, I almost died. And none of y'all told me about it. So I'm going to tell y'all, when you have a senior in high school, it is expensive and it is tiring. And so different seasons have different schedules. I know sometimes you're going to need to work overtime. Sometimes you're going to, I know 
But listen, this is for the most part. Different seasons have got different schedules. And this is going to be, this is, once again, it's because the Lord taught us to do this, to rest, get in bed, and go to sleep. Put the phone, put the iPad down. You start reading some of the statistics of that, of how people are just staying up, their notifications are on, they've got the phone right beside the bed, and they can't go to sleep because Snapchat will go off or Facebook will go off, and they're, they're not even getting into the, the REM sleep or anything like that. Get some sleep. You need sleep. Be a better steward of your body. Everybody's going to get quiet here. Don't worry. Diet and exercise, moderation. I'm not telling you you got to go run a marathon or be a bodybuilder. Walk a little. Don't let every meal be deep fried. <laughs> Take care of yourself. You'll feel better. Fifthly, and I'm done as they're coming to the instruments. Reevaluate re your relationships. And I think you know this. I've told you this enough that I certainly believe that we're the light of the world. And if we don't tell lost people about Jesus Christ, then we can't expect that they're ever going to hear it anywhere. So we're going to have relationships with lost people. We're going to have relationships like that. But when we're talking about our best friends, you can use best even as an acronym. Your best friends, B, believe in you. E, they encourage you. S, they support you. And T, Trust is mutual. You can trust them. Everyone needs, and there's all kind of different opinions. I'm just, for the sake of time today, I've actually got a book that's got 11 people that it says you need in your life. I'm going to give you these four. Everyone needs models, examples in their lives. They need mentors to instruct and speak into you. You need partners to assist you, and you need friends to support you. And this is my closing line that I want you to get here. You are never more spiritual than when you are intentional and you strategize. See, most of you know, I, I mean, I've been Pentecostal most of my life. And so many times we've gotten to the place where we think the only time where we're real spiritual is where it's just like we're just, you know, going from the hip. I don't really know what I'm going to do, but oh, this is what I'm going to do. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. For so long as Pentecostals, we've gotten that mentality that if we have any kind of plan or notion, oh, that's ungodly there. That's absolutely incorrect. Now, I do believe that we need to be willing enough to be led by the Spirit that when God wants to change that plan, that we're willing to change that plan. But I do believe, I do believe that God can just as much give us direction and wisdom and a plan a year out as much as he can the second before something happens. I believe God's that big. I believe the word says that he knows the end from the, end from the beginning. And he knows what we need. You're never any more spiritual than you are when you strategize and you plan. Don't just live haphazardly. Put a plan together. Ask the Lord to help you. Now, again, this is not just who you go to. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to help me to put my life. To, I want you to help me renew my life. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what kind of stuff you're going through. Hey, you may be in one of those busy, super, super busy seasons. You're exhausted. You're tired. 
I don't know where you're at. Say, you know what I, I do? I, I want the Lord to renew me. Maybe you're back at the beginning. Maybe you're one of those and feel like you, you, your story doesn't excite you anymore. You say, God, I want you to help me. I want the fact that you washed me in your blood and you wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. I want that to excite me again. I don't know where you're at, what you're going through. Listen, none of us is perfect. Sometimes I hate preaching messages like this because I never want to. I never want to come to the place where I can act like. Listen, if you'll just take these steps, everything will always be fine, and they'll always be perfect. No, life is life. Sometimes life's going to be messy. Sometimes there's going to be mess ups. Sometimes the plan doesn't come together. Sometimes you have to go to a plan B. So I don't ever want you to think that I'm doing any of that. Make a plan. Ask the Lord to bless the plan. Ask the Lord to guide you. Sometimes you're going to get off. Everything ain't always going to work out. But I know that with Him, with Him, if you'll keep your hand in His hand, no matter what you face, you can make it through it. You'll get through it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.